0: Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication
1: strategies.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to the Start with Your podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, also the co-founder of Established Ventures, the team behind the Start with Your Community and this very podcast. On this episode, I'm talking with Tim Draper, a global venture capitalist, founder of Draper Associates, DFJ, and the Draper Venture Network, a global network of venture capital funds. His firms have invested in a number of companies that you've probably heard of, which include SpaceX, Tesla, Coinbase, robin hood twitch tv skype hotmail carta and the list goes on and on uh, he's also been a, a champion for cryptocurrencies and most notably bitcoin you might also see him wearing his bitcoin tie he loves to wear that as his trademark um and he's done some work in california trying to improve their education as well as um there was a while there was a, a push to make it into six californias and then three californias and uh really excited to have him joining it today he's very well accomplished Uh, He's a legend in the VC space and I'm really happy to have him joining us and hopefully you learned something interesting from the conversation. Before we jump into the interview though, I wanted to share some thoughts and words of advice from Rich Malloy. He's our VP of Engagement at Established, also part of Established Ventures, and he's got some tips for startup founders with a segment we call the VC
1: Minute. Hi, this is Rich Malloy with Established Ventures, bringing you the VC Minute. Quick advice to help startup founders fundraise better. Let's talk about your fundraising competition. I'm not talking about your direct competitors in your industry, I'm talking about the half a dozen or so other startups I have in my diligence process at the same time as you. When it comes to securing a commitment, that may also be your competition. Now, you're not necessarily going to lose out on an investment just because a VC has a lot in their pipeline. But like you, we only have 24 hours in the day and only so many hours we can spend working. So we always want to be sure we're working on the funding rounds that are the highest priority for us. In other words, we are constantly ranking companies internally to reprioritize and refocus our efforts. If you're getting the shits from an investor, it may be that they have a backlog of diligence and you're somewhere in the middle of the stack. The danger is that the longer you stay in the middle of the pack, the more likely you are to move down or possibly never hear back. You benefit from staying top of mind with your potential investors. And you can do this by sharing updates. Updates about your round, for example, that you got a commitment from another firm. Or sharing wins, such as you landed a new client or that new hire came on full-time. Keep the communication flowing. If enough has changed since you last spoke, offer to set a 15-minute update call. And don't be afraid to ask questions about where that fund is in their diligence process on you. So keep your investor process moving forward because when it stalls, it dies. That's all for the VC Minute. Back to you, Frank.
2: Thanks, Rich. Great tips about keeping top of mind in a very competitive funding landscape. Hopefully that's helpful for everyone that's listening. Uh, Now shifting gears for a moment, I wanted to share that our Startup of the Year application is currently opened. If you're a startup looking for exposure or becoming part of our amazing community, uh, we'd love to have you. Please uh, check out the application at SOTY.link forward slash apply 21. Or you can just go to startupoftheyear.com or startupoftheyear.com. Either will go to the same place and look for the application. There should be a button and you can start the application right away. We're going to be uh, basically down selecting and group, grouping out the, the top 100 here shortly to be joining us at the our annual summit. But there's more than just becoming a part of it for the summit, there's other opportunities throughout the year. There's mentorship opportunities, office hour opportunities, plus the community of Founders Helping Founders. So a lot to offer, and again, if you check us out at StartupTheYear.com, you'll learn, learn more about those opportunities. We also have a great alumni, which is what I was mentioning earlier, uh, with Founders Helping Founders, one of our alumni from Washington, D.C., back in about the 2010, 2011 time frame, uh, was Blake Hall uh, and his team. with uh, By that, then, it was actually called TroopSwap, and then it turned into Troop ID, and then it turned into id.me, which is a digital identification platform that simplifies how individuals securely provide and share their identities online. And they recently raised a nine-figure round of funding, making them a unicorn. So fantastic work, Blake and team. Congratulations on all your success. It's been really phenomenal um, to watch you take this uh, and continue to grow it over the last, uh, 11 or so years. And, uh, I- I'm sure there's more to come. So excited to continue to watch that journey and, and champion what you're up to. All right next up uh, we've got an event coming up uh, we've got uh, CTA foundation and their 2021 virtual pitch event which is sponsored by aARP innovation labs that'll be taking place March 31st that uh, that' will be March 31st from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern so if you want to join us where eight startups will pitch their innovations and engage with um, some Q&;A and with, with experts and judges, um, and then, you know, after that, uh, there'll, there'll be an award for the uh, fan favorite. So you actually get a chance to vote for your favorite of the live pitches. Uh, if you're interested in registering and t- checking it out, go to EST.US. Again, EST.US forward slash 331EB, Echo Bravo. So EST.US 331 Echo Bravo, and you can sign up to be a part of this event and have your, your voice heard as you get to, to vote for your favorite startup during this pitch competition. we been working closely with the team and we're excited about uh, this event coming up. All right. For those of you that also may have heard this before, sorry for the repetitiveness here, but our startup listeners, we work with A number of different programs, one of which is the NASA ITech program, and we are looking for startups for their various pitch, uh, pitch sessions and challenges. uh, As they continue to try to do innovative things, uh, you know everything from going back to the moon as well as Mars and whatnot. They need technology companies to help them with some of these missions, and so uh, if you're interested in being a part of uh, one of these uh, programs, check out est.us forward slash nit est.us forward slash nit and you can learn more about the nasa itech program and what they're looking for as they have different cycles and they continue to look for different types of technology and it's not just technologies you think about when you're thinking about space it could be anything from uh, wearables to you know ai to you know there's a number of different categories there's an x-factor category so you may not be thinking it's you but check out the information and maybe that maybe it is and maybe there's an opportunity to get in front of nasa with your startup all right. We've also been busy over on Clubhouse, the, the new app that's unfortunately only on iOS right now. Hopefully it's on Android soon. So sorry for all those Android users out there. But uh, we've been doing some different various Clubhouse rooms. And we have our own club called the Startup Community Club. So if you're in Clubhouse and want to join us, uh, please go check out the Startup Community Club. Join it. And uh, we'll be doing additional events. We do some office hours. We've done some community spotlights around different uh, communities. Uh, we're going to be doing an event next week around uh the AARP and CTA foundation event uh that's coming up. And so that'll be kind of fun. And you can also follow me at Frank Gruber um and learn more about some of the different office hours opportunities and things that I'm in, involved in, and I'm obviously given time to help start a founders. So uh check it out if you're on Clubhouse. And finally, uh if you're interested in more programs like the the office hours or some of these other programs we work with, like NASA um, you can check out some of the other programs by going to est.us forward slash programs. It's the best way to get notified about the startup opportunities that we come across while we're working with various partner organizations and a number of different ecosystems across the country. So we're always looking for startup opportunities. We want to play matchmaker and help startup founders get connected with these various programs. So check that out. It'll be in the show notes as well. Okay, now let's listen to our conversation with uh, Tim Draper from the Startup of the Year Summit in the fall of 2020. It was a great conversation and I hope you really enjoy it. First let's just dive into your your eventual venture capitalist background. Um you come from a long line of investors, you're a fourth generation investor, is that right? Fourth generation? Get that right. Uh, I'm
0: third. My third. grandfather was the first Silicon Valley venture capital right. investor. My dad was a, a pioneer in venture capital. He uh really plowed some great turf. And then uh I I started uh and I was the third generation, but my children, three of my children are venture capitalists.
2: Right. Pretty amazing. Uh,
0: and they've done very well. Uh, Adam with Boost is a, a tremendous success. And uh, Billy worked with me at Draper Associates, and now he's at Path Ventures. He spun out. <laughs> it, was a, it was a sad and proud moment for a I father bet. when he spun out. And uh, my uh, daughter, Jessie, uh, runs Halogen Ventures, and she, uh, she backs only women. Right, and
2: Jesse actually joined us. Exciting. She she joined us earlier this this um, this year. She basically we had these lead up events for Startup of the Year that kind of culminate in this event, and she helped us kind of with some of the like one of the lead up events. She actually was a judge and helped us figure out who, which companies are going to be fast tracked to this event today. So that's pretty exciting. Oh,
0: terrific! Yeah, yeah, she's a good good judge of it. They all grew up. I mean, they saw how excited I was at the dinner table about my work, and uh, and I think they just took to it.
2: Definitely. She had some great advice for for startups that that were part of that. All right. So you you started looking at at startups, you know, right out right away. You created your own fund um, backed by SBA, uh, SBA, actually, which is kind of interesting. And then you started investing. You've got some amazing investments. Which one, you know, from from, you know, I mentioned some earlier Hotmail, Skype, I do uh, Tesla, SpaceX. Which one are you most um, most proud of thus far?
0: You know, I think the one that um, that really set me. On on the right path was Hotmail, um, because we we <laughs> it was pretty funny. We were uh, sitting around in the the uh, at this board meeting uh, with the Hotmail founders, and they had created a system where um, you could do web based email. And and I looked and I said, "How are you going to get it out there?" And they said, "Well, you know, maybe we'll we'll uh, buy some airtime." TV airtime, put up billboards and radio stations and whatever. And I was saying, you know, we we put, what, $150,000 in there. It's not... Right.
2: So Burn money, it sounds like. It's a nano of right? airtime.
0: Right, right. And um, and we uh, decided... Then I said, can't you just get it out to all those people on that internet thing? That You <laughs> know, that DARPA net, ARPANET. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, that would be spamming. And so that was a new word for me. Right. And then I said... Well, wait, what if you you're giving this away for free? What if you put a little message at the bottom of everybody's email saying, P.S., I love you. Get your free email at Hotmail. And they looked at me like, oh, God, of all the investors in the world, why did we get this guy? And uh, and I kept pounding and pounding and pounding. Finally, they gave up and they said, "Okay, we'll do it. But no, P.S. I love you. Just get your free email. <laughs> I thought that was
2: up. the best part.
0: <laughs> well, I know we would have had a much more peaceful and loving world, I think. Right. If they, if the P.S. I love you. But still, it allowed the world to open up. And um, and it spread to 11 million users in 18 months. And now there are, I mean, web-based email is pretty much everywhere. I mean, that's email, that's Yahoo Mail, it's Hotmail, it's... Um, and so I think maybe 2 billion of the 4 billion people on the internet, um, maybe 5 billion people on the internet are all connected through web-based email. Well, that's, um, that connected all of us. It, it shrunk geographic borders. Um, interesting story, the founder said, um, said, he sent one email to a friend in India. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was way back when. 1995, I guess. And, uh, and it spread to 100,000 registered Hotmail users in India. Wow. And at that time, I don't think there were 100,000 computers in India. Right. Uh, So they, they just got everybody, multiple accounts on every computer.
2: So pretty much everyone in India got that email (laughs) at that point, that had an email. (laughs) That's pretty phenomenal. Um, yeah, and so right. I
0: think the world is, is much closer and tighter because of it, and, um, and that, and Skype have both, and then Skype, of course, allowed us all to talk to each other and then eventually see each other.
2: Yeah, let's um, talk about Skype for a second. So Skype, we're, we're you know, current, during this cur- current global pandemic, everyone's using video calling. It's become, you know, table stakes more or less for everything that, that we're doing every single day. And let's talk about Skype because that was actually in, started as an audio-based program, right?
0: Yeah, we had a funny, another good, fun story. My, um, I had to be in two places at once. Uh, I had to be in Palo Alto at a conference Tony Perkins was throwing and a, I had to be in Estonia at a, at a Skype board meeting. And so I asked the, I asked Tony if we could try to video conference Mm -hmm. and I asked the Skype guys if they could set up a video conference there and rent the equipment. Um, at that time, the conference was like this. But, <laughs> um, but we, uh, I thought, well, maybe we'll give it a shot and we'll always have audio backup. And so we did it. Um, and Nicholas and I, uh, um, I interviewed Nicholas for the conference. So it was kind of a fun you know, benefit of the creative. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we had a great interview. And, uh, and at the end of the interview, Nicholas kind of looks at me and smiles and, and I said, what? And he said, said, that was the first Skype video call. Wow. I said what? You use what is that? And then I, then I thought, well, let's see how it went. And I called Tony and he said, Oh yeah, we could see the pores of your skin. Wow. And, and I said, Whoa, we've got a winner here. Nicholas says, well, no, not so fast. Tim, we cut off 100,000 simultaneous uh, audio calls in order to get the bandwidth so that we could oh, do wow. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, the
2: band- <laughs> so the bandwidth. My band- daughter,
0: Jesse was also on that Skype video. Oh, uh, wow. She, she was traveling with me. And so um, I guess it was take your daughter to work day or something. But anyway, mm-hmm. I took her with me. Wow. And, uh, and so she is quite proud to say that she was also on the, the first Skype video call. That's and now of course i mean skype zoom all of these have have really had a huge impact on on our world
2: right um, definitely
0: long term long term i think the one that's going to have the most impact uh, might be spacex because uh, when we when we colonize mars i think that, oh, SpaceX, yeah. that will be a big deal
2: <laughs> yeah i'd say that, that's a big one that's not i mean that's literally a, a moonshot right so let's talk about that one i mean Planet shot, planet shot, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so that's a pretty bold, right? To go out there with as a leader and say we're going to Mars, um, and then you guys obviously support that with your investment. So what do what do you see there that makes you like invest? You know,
0: you know, entrepreneurs like all of you out there um, have uh, have a couple of different approaches. There are many different approaches. Um, there's one that's that's customer based. I mean, always. Love your customer, delight your customer, do what you can for your customer. And then um, and then there are those entrepreneurs who say, we're going to Mars. Right. And, and then what happens is a lot of people think, oh, boy, that's crazy. Why would anybody think that we could go to Mars? That seems impossible. Mm-hmm. But then all the best engineers in the world say, hmm, how would we get to Mars? And then they say, I think I can help them. And, they, and and so he, like Elon, ends up with the best engineers in the world. They all come from all over the world to work at SpaceX. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> and they do it because he, he inspired them to think of something that, that might be possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, and, and got everybody thinking about that. And I think that's another great way to run a business. Um, the other one, <clears throat> the one um, I I think about uh, Nicholas Zenstrom and Robin Lee, they both came to me, uh, Nicholas from Skype and Robin from Baidu. They both came to me and said the exact same words. They're mm-hmm. from two different countries and very different cultures. They both said, I want to delight my customer. And somehow that delight, uh, something about the idea of delighting a customer, I think, makes a huge difference for
2: people. That's interesting. I mean, I've heard that now a, a number of successful companies have a similar kind of mantra. Um, thinking about you know customer service with Zappos, they ended up you know obviously getting acquired by Amazon. Oh yeah.
0: I mean, when when you talk to Jeff Bezos, that's all he's thinking about. How do I make the experience better for my customer? Better right. for my better for my customer. Definitely. You know, and these these guys are absolute heroes. They have done extraordinary things for people. Mm-hmm. I think of how much, you know, people say, oh, Bezos, you know, whatever. I don't know what they're picking on him for. <laughs> yeah. But he he should be revered because revered because he he has brought more people out of poverty than anybody else, I think, on the planet, except maybe the Google guys. Um, they, uh, they have educated more people on the planet than anybody else. But, but he has, um, think about how the wealth and the, um, and the, the uh, convenience and the, the improvement in life that he has created with Amazon. If I need something, I can go to Amazon, push one button, and boom, it shows up the next day. That is amazing, and it is magic. And that's because that entrepreneur said, we will delight our customer. We will do what our, what we can to make that product arrive to that customer as quickly as it possibly can.
2: It's pretty phenomenal. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, Amazon, I had my groceries delivered today, you know, like this morning, you know, yeah, for this call, you know, I didn't have to go and, and run into the store to do it. And obviously with the current situation in the world, it feels safer to me, you know, so I don't know. So, okay. So let's talk about, um, you talked about Baidu short uh, briefly. Let's talk about, you were an early, actually one of the first investors uh, from Silicon Valley to invest in China, and you invested in, in Baidu. Um, talk, you want know, to talk about that a little bit briefly and then maybe talk about some other similar places where you see opportunity for, for investment?
0: Well, I was lucky because I had a window on um, international activity when I got started in the venture business. I. Um, my dad was the chairman of the Export-Import Bank of the U.S., and then he was the UN Development um, Program Administrator. He um, he traveled to 110 countries. He he saw it all. But anyway, I got a chance to go with him on one of these UN missions, and uh, and so I was or a couple of them actually, but one was to China, and at that time there was there was. Uh, one main road Uh, we we drove on the only car on this one main road that took us to the one international hotel in all of Beijing uh and and everybody there was on bicycles and uh handing trading fruit and vegetables with um with food in these big Chinese hats and uh and that was China that was China and then I went back about 15 years later and I um, met with a, one of the ministers of the economy there. And he said, you must invest in our country. And I said, I said, I'm not going to invest in your country. Why would I ever invest in your country? And he said, what? And I said, yeah. Well, the last guy I knew who put money into China, he created a 90 million dollar chocolate company. And you guys nationalized it. You stole it from him. Right. And uh And he said, well, uh, what would you recommend? And I said, I would recommend that if anybody invests any money in your country, you make sure that if they are successful, that they can pull their money out and tell all their friends about it. And then you will get more money invested in your country than you ever imagined. Mm -hmm. And he was listening. And about five years after that, I went back, um, with dfj E Planet, and uh and met with i mean i was the first silicon valley venture capitalist to look at china mm-hmm. as an investor and i was i met with jack ma i mean he was such a passionate guy but i his english was broken and i, I couldn't quite understand what he was talking about doing but he was very passionate i gave him some give a speak
1: mm-hmm.
0: i met with uh, pony ma uh, so i could have invested in all three of the BAT, mm-hmm. but I met with Robin Lee and I thought, wow, this guy is pretty incredible. And he was a very tough negotiator. And we had a, we had a, a tough battle <laughs> in a taxi cab <laughs> about the valuation. And we finally came to terms
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, boy, was that a great decision? I think on both of our parts um, and Robin created an amazing company and think of uh, what Google has done for America and a lot of the English-speaking world, Baidu has done the same for the Chinese-speaking world and some of the Japanese-speaking world. Um, so we're very pleased with that investment. We think um, it really had an amazing impact on China. Um, I'm I'm sorry that they have the, um, the dictator that they have now, but uh, before that, they had a, a very open country and they were growing at an incredibly fast rate Mm -hmm. and the people of that country were um, enjoying their entrepreneurial freedoms. Uh, It was a fabulous time. And so we, and we made a lot of other investments in China during that time.
2: But obviously not investing now with the- No, we pulled out completely. Yep. As soon as
0: we saw that there was a dictator who said that he owned everything,
2: that was it. Makes sense. Um, Let's, talk about other areas that are like that, that are new frontiers. I mean, you're a global entrepreneur. You've invested in a lot of different areas um, in your career, that being, and obviously a lot of times the first mover out in that area. What other areas are you excited about?
0: Are you talking about geographic regions? Geographic, yep. Yeah. Um, Well, I think uh, that India really has uh, started to pick up. And and let me tell you what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. Um, The poorest countries in the world are the ones where This is all about trust Mm -hmm. um, and honor and honesty. Um, The poorest countries in the world are the ones that, um, that where people don't trust each other, a lot of theft. And then it's a zero sum game. Mm -hmm. And they think um, if I take it from you, then I'm better off and you're worse off. Um, When there's trust uh, people connect and, they work for something for the future that will improve both their lives for the future. And uh, best example of that is probably Singapore uh, under Lee Kuan Yew. Uh, He took a country where people were making about a hundred dollars a year per capita uh, and made it one of the richest countries in the world by instilling trust. Uh, The reason I think India has great potential is that uh, Modi's first action as uh, the the premier of India was to um, was to get rid of the currency that was allowing people to uh, do illegal things and uh, and now it looks like that country's really starting to hum and there's so much entrepreneurial activity there's been sort of a direct line back and forth from India to the Silicon Valley and that has uh, has really supercharged India and that's that's very exciting. And I think, um, you know, I mean, um, now I can get on my talking about uh, socialism, how, how people were thinking about socialism uh, for a while. Uh, if, you're, if you're a Korean and, and uh, there was, you know, back after the Korean War, they built that demilitarized zone and they separated North from South Korea. And North Korea was a socialist system. And South Korea was a capitalist system, uh, a free market system, capitalist system. Well, now fast forward four generations. You, ha- now in North Korea, they make about 100 hundred, hundred and fifty $150 per year per annum. Uh, in North Korea, they make Forty-three thousand dollars per year per annum. I mean per year per person. Um, so they're they're clearly a lot richer and living a lot better in South Korea. But here's something that you re- that really sticks in my head: the average South Korean is now four inches taller than the average North Korean. Interesting. So, so I'm always when I'm looking around for investment, I'm always looking for those countries that are on the way back to freedom and away from socialism, away from where the government controls everything. Government Mm -hmm. controls equal poverty. That's basically what happens.
1: As soon as
0: the government decides everything, you get poverty. Mm -hmm. And when the government uh, backs away and and it's like George Washington saying, giving up his power and and so for the good of the country or uh, Gorbachev did that for a while, Deng Xiaoping did it in China. Um, when you have a leader that is willing to sacrifice their own power for the good of the country, uh, then you get freedom. And that freedom pre- creates prosperity throughout uh, for centuries to come, for decades to come. Uh, so it, it, freedom turns out to be the key item. And uh, and we, we uh, actually, um, there's a uh, set up a nonprofit called the Draper Hero Institute, and they're doing a research program on which countries are the freest and, and, and which ones are trending toward freedom. And oh. those are the ones that we're saying are the best for startups. Uh, so that's kind of a, I mean, it was a short question, but it got me going.
2: <laughs> no, that's great. I love <laughs> and, it. And, so. and I wanted to, it kind of leads into the next question. You're a big supporter of decentralization and, and Bitcoin uh, and, and, you know, that whole, um, ecosystem. Can you share a little bit about um, you know, your early support of that and wh- what you found and, and kind of your direction with that?
0: Yeah, um, you know, I've got a Bitcoin tie on. I'm, oh, nice. I'm supporting nice. the decentralized world. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you what I like about um, Bitcoin and the decentralized world. Um, While well, the internet opened up these borders, they all uh, suddenly we were trading with each other and by the way, just so people understand the importance of trade and free trade, um, if if I'm if I have a farm and you have a house uh, and we don't trade, right. then then you die of starvation and I die of exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, if you multiply that by the eight billion people around the planet, we're all interconnected. We're all interrelated. We're all um, uh, getting this pen to my hand Mm -hmm. probably took where it was probably touched by 200,000 people from 30 countries, right? We are all interconnected. We're all helping each other, doing things, serving each other, making each other's world better. Um, and, and when you have that, that's a, that's a very powerful thing. Well, the internet opened up the world. We used to be tribal, where um, the, the, uh, if I put up a border between us so that uh, you didn't, if you don't cross, we're safe. If I don't cross, you're safe. We're, um, and, and that was the, the tribal system and it worked very well because it kept us from killing each other off and it let us prosper in our own little tribes. Well, then what happened was the internet opened it up and, re- and we realized that we could trade with each other across borders much much easier and uh, and suddenly we were all much wealthier much better off uh, without these geographical geographic borders well then hotmail came I mean sorry then Bitcoin came along and said um, this is uh, now you can actually trade across those borders and you can have a global currency and that currency is not restricted at the border that currency is not, tied to any geographic territory, it's not tied to any political force, it doesn't decrease in value when you print 13 trillion of them, I mean, Bitcoin, they're only 21 million, that's all they're going to be, and uh, and so uh, it turns out to be something that allows incredible global freedom, Imagine this: You're in Syria and you have a lot of Syrian money, and you then get pushed out by the military, and you're now in Greece and you're a refugee and you have nothing. Right. You, if you, that was not Syrian money; it was Bitcoin. Mm. You would go into Greece and you pull that down, and you start your life over again, and you'd be fine. Um, this is. Uh, that's that's just one example of the many many examples of why well first digital money is much more efficient much more effective it doesn't um, and with Bitcoin you don't have to pay um, your credit card company two and a half to five percent every time you swipe your credit card by the right. way most of that goes to the banks right um, and uh, and it kind of um, opens up our um, currency world in fact I, if I needed to send you money right now mm-hmm. um, I don't know exactly how I would do it I I would I guess I could wire it I could call the bank and w- have them wire it cost mm-hmm. I don't know what is it $40-$50 a wire right um, it, it would um, and then or I could if you're in another country I, I could send it through Western Union and that would cost about 18% right um, but with Bitcoin I can just you know grab my cell phone uh, push two or three buttons put it up against the, the camera here and you would get your money that's pretty um,
2: cool.
0: it's super fast well that's all gonna people are going to discover how easy that is and as they do uh, they will move away from these currencies that are in a in effect, forced on them from their government. Um, imagine being in Argentina. Mm-hmm. I met with President McCree before he was put out of office. And um, and I told him about Bitcoin. And then two years later, I went back and I met with him again. And I told him, um, uh, hey, Bitcoin's gone from 10,000 down to 4,000. But during that time, the Argentinian peso has gone from 75 cents to 25 cents. I'll tell you what. We'll make a bet going forward, which mm-hmm. of these currencies does better, and I'll double my investment in Argentina if you um, if if the Argentinian peso does better. But if Bitcoin does better, you make Bitcoin your national currency. And uh, and he, smiled. we had a very heated, fun conversation after that. Mm-hmm. Um, he never actually made the bet. We did shake at the end, but it wasn't about the bet. Gotcha. Um, if he had done it, I think Argentina would have been much better off. But he got he got pushed out. of I mean, he got um, voted out of office. Yeah. And um, and the Argentinian peso now has gone from 25 cents to one penny, less than one penny. Should have taken that and, bet. <laughs> and that during that time, Bitcoin's gone from 4000 now to 11000. Wow. So um, I'm sort of sorry you didn't make the bet. Yeah. And I'm sorry you didn't stay in office, but um, it, it, is, it is very clear that if you're in Argentina, you would much rather do business in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Nigeria, same thing with Venezuela, and same thing with America, because America just printed $13 trillion. They devalued your currency, our currency, by about uh, 20%. Thirty percent, something like that. So we're certain to have. I mean, whether we have inflation, yeah, we will have inflation. I mean, pretty certainly.
2: That makes sense. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about the creation of Draper University, and it kind of kind of leads into then creating Startup Heroes, which we want to talk yeah. about as well. So let's exactly. start let's with Draper University. Well, how did you, how did you decide to start Draper University? What was the process? There? So um, I felt
0: like in two thousand eight, uh, when the markets were collapsing, and the um, financial system was under siege, and uh, nobody knew whether they had value or not, whether any people were talking about the dollar not being worth anything, I thought this would be uh, a time for heroes. This would be a time for the entrepreneurs to rise, but in the financial world, all I saw were people with their heads in the sand. They were all afraid of themselves and of what was happening and they wanted to go away until it was fixed. Um, And I thought, well, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with this picture? And I think the education systems of the world um, want people to memorize stuff. They want them all locked in class. um, and, And all the grading systems are you get an A or the top grade if you don't make any mistakes and I thought, well, it doesn't make sense because really the best things that have happened in life, uh, penicillin, all these things happened by mistake, penicillin, electricity, Reese's peanut butter cups, America. They were all they were all started by mistake. And, uh, and so why aren't we allowing those mistakes? Why aren't we allowing people to fail? And it got me thinking, well, um, It was was sort of an interesting time, and I had bought a hotel, an old hotel, and um, my son suggested that I start a school with a hotel, and I thought, well, oh, this is the time. I've got to create a school for heroes, Mm -hmm. and uh, so that's what I did, and it has been a tremendous success in a lot of different ways, Um, not financially yet, but... Mm -hmm. It has been a great success, uh, and financially in one way, which I'll explain, um, we, so we create heroes. We encourage people to try things and fail. We, um, we have them go through survival training. We have them do a 36 hour hackathon where they're pretty much up the entire time. Uh, we have them, uh, meet some of the best entrepreneurs in the world, uh, and we have them do everything project based and they're all team based and turns out that most of the world when they work are working in teams but when you're in school you're forced to not work in teams you're, you're forced to be the individual um, and uh, and even and you even don't want the other person to learn it because that would mean that you you would be behind them somehow Mm -hmm. um and that doesn't make any sense we don't learn nearly as well because of the um that sort of the negative competition inside of schools so uh so i tried to i try i'm trying to turn that entire thing around and so far we've had 1200 students of the uh, hero training school and they've started three they've come from 86 different countries and they've started about uh, 300 companies themselves. And then they've also sent me another 3,000 uh, opportunities to invest. And what's happened from those investments, the, the investments we've made in the Draper University Heroes have um, been quite successful. And that's what's made it worth it um, financially for me to have done this. <laughs> it wasn't really. In, when I started it, it wasn't for financial reasons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was just for a, I thought, a global need. Yeah. And it turns out that um, both are happening. And I think if you make money doing something, you know you're doing something good. If you um, if you're not making money, you're probably not doing anybody any favors because you need to. Um, somebody on the other side has to feel that it's worth it for to pay for your service. I think that's an important thing. So anyway, our service seems to be doing very well, but then COVID came along and we had to go uh, online. Okay. And we created a, a similar hero training, uh, entrepreneur training system online, and it's two weeks and $500. And uh, we've had about 500 people in that program so far, and it seems to be quite successful. Um, so Zoom calls are getting closer to real life um, right. and we're able to, in effect, make it an offline online experience.
2: Um, that's phenomenal. I mean, you're, you're reaching more people faster.
0: That's, that's yeah.
2: fantastic.
0: And the book was really written because I kept repeating myself at Draper right. University and I thought, hey, this would be a good idea to to uh, show, show everybody, ha- allow other people to get that same kind of Thought-provoking training,
2: right? it. Uh, so we, we let's talk place. about the book. And you've got the Startup Heroes Pledge in there. Talk about like um, a little bit about that pledge and, and kind of what what it means to you.
0: Well, I can give it to you. Okay, let's do it. I will promote freedom at all costs. Yep. I'll do everything in my power to drive, build, and pursue progress and change. My brand, my network, and my reputation are paramount. I will set positive examples for others to emulate. I will instill good habits in myself. I will take care of myself. I will fail and fail again until I succeed. I will explore the world with gusto and enthusiasm. (laughs) I will treat people well. I will make short-term sacrifices for long-term success. I will pursue fairness, openness, health, and fun with all that I encounter, mostly fun. (laughs) I will keep my word. I will try my best to make reparations for my digressions. Uh, and that's the oath. And the, the thinking behind the oath is uh, to give people, I realize the sun just came out. Oh, so.
2: that's okay. Um, I, I, uh,
0: I wanted to give people a, a guiding light that was uh, probably different from the guiding lights that they've been getting in other places. And the one I thought was the most important was the first one, I will promote freedom at all costs. Yeah. I think if I were to have write, written it again or I put in a, an amendment, it would have something to do with trust um trust people and be trustworthy mm-hmm. i keep my word is in there i will keep my word is in there but um but i think i'd go a little further with that
2: well the good uh, thing about this book is it's in beta it says it even on the cover so you can always update it that's just a fix
0: you know skype was brilliant that way they um for years and years and years uh, the Skype service was beta point 0.8 or 0.91 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, so I thought, well, I definitely am not, I'm certainly not finished with this book. Right. And and there are going to be problems with it because I wrote it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's just call it a beta
2: version. (laughs) I think it's great. And uh, I I love that there's like these little nuggets of information. I mean, obviously, um, great stories in there too but i like that let's dive a little bit into each one of those um into into each one of those uh kind of pledge items i I, some of that kind of resonate to me um obviously you talked about freedom um you talked i I don't know if it was actually a a pledge item but in the book you you really talk about uh fear being a mind killer and yeah and that's not
0: original to me um that's from the book of of dune uh the Mm. science fiction book dune Okay. Um, Frank Herbert writes, fear is the mind killer. And, uh, and, and actually, it was pretty interesting. There's a very successful president in, in Uruguay, who I was talking to uh, recently. And he, um, and he said, uh, fear kills all economies. Um, and, and so fear really, and and it's interesting because the media thrives on fear right the news cycle <laughs> is not non non-stop fear right watch the local news and uh and every story is a fear story mm-hmm. um <laughs> i did that once i tested i thought okay well let's just see how many of these stories are tied to fear and mm-hmm. it was 13 out of 13. wow every single story was a fear story and it's i mean they get somehow get you thinking fear and and then you you want to watch more. Right, you're, yeah. Oh God. Oh yeah. I gotta you know I gotta watch this more. And then then you're watching all their ads, and you know then you got to take all the drugs from all their ads, and then you're scared again, and you know it's a bad cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're willing to go out there and try things and fail and fail again until you succeed mm-hmm. um, and explore the world with gusto and enthusiasm, um, it. Uh, you'll have a better life, right. and they will, and the people around you will uh, be more attracted to you, and you will have, um, you will make a bigger impact on your world. So I actually think that um, that fear, it's either, and and also I know in politics sometimes they thrive on fear, like the dictators, they they thrive on fear, they push fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the great leaders push opportunity. The great leaders encourage more Bitcoin use. They encourage more open borders. They encourage less fear. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones who just want to hold on to their power sort of desperately, those, those are the ones that um, uh, they infuse fear into their society and fear is an economy killer as well as a mind killer. Uh, so I think that that, uh, that that's it's very important to identify. So then, when you are faced with it, you can defend yourself against fear. All the decisions I've made that were made on based on fear were the wrong decisions.
1: Mm.
0: Every decision that I made based on courage or dynamism or or the the hope of a better future, they have all been. They haven't all been successful, right. but they. Right they had much more likelihood of success. And then I talk about gusto and enthusiasm because it's the optimist mm-hmm. who makes the impact on society. The optimist creates the great businesses. The optimist um, becomes you know, a, a great figurehead or whatever, a great leader. Yep. Um, the pessimists are, of the world are, have some value. They are the ones who find the holes in the pessimists, in the optimist's arguments. Mm-hmm or uh, or tell the optimist what they think is wrong. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: but the optimist is the one who gets it done. Yeah. The optimist who, is the one who says, we're going to Mars.
2: Right, that's a great one. And great I think
0: that's for. important. It's important to be an optimist, to sort of think, okay, what's the, pos- whenever I find myself sort of dipping down into the negative thinking, oh God, you know, something's wrong in the, political system or something's wrong here the best way to come out of that is as an optimist what can you do to help it what can you do to improve it that's that's where three californias and six californias in the school voucher program all came from i looked and i was i was down in the dumps thinking oh gosh this is so bad this system is so bad right what do i do to improve it and i don't know if any of those things moved to improve it but Uh, at least I tried. Uh, It turns out I lost all three. Well, I only lost once. The other two times I got out politically maneuvered. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: And it's a work in progress, right?
0: Yeah, I guess I could keep trying. It (laughs) is expensive to try, but I I guess I could keep
2: trying. So let's talk a little bit about um, that fear versus optimism and obviously the approach to failure and and whatnot you know you've you've got some great wins with folks that have done that like you talked about it, the elon musk we talked a lot about a bunch of them one that i wanted to highlight just because it's one that is is a, was a big one um was theranos and i know that's a close to home kind of oh yeah i mean that was a a company that you know you knew that you knew the, the founder uh she knew your your our daughter uh jesse uh and but yet you know you still remain bullish. I mean, in the book, you remain bullish on that company. Can you share kind of your thoughts around the fear versus optimism and, and, and you know, failure there?
0: Yeah, I think um, Theranos uh, was really a great, Elizabeth Holmes was really a great entrepreneur doing extraordinary things. Um, when you get, if you're an entrepreneur and you get to be a pretty good entrepreneur, Uh, Nothing really happens and you can kind of build your business and nobody really messes with you. But if you if you're an entrepreneur and you go after um, an industry and and um, mess with an industry that is as incredibly powerful as the drug monopoly or oligopoly of drug companies, the the monopoly of the AMA the the, um, the insurance business, the oligopoly of insurance business, and um, and I guess the the relationship between the lobbyists and the government. Uh, you are going to be up against. Um, you're going to face something if you if you're going after those industries that are that powerful. Mm-hmm. You are going to face um, a. Uh, a, a fight, and that fight will come either legal, uh, government lobbying, uh, through the press, whatever. Anyway, that's what happened to her. She she went through and and got hit through the press first, then uh, then legally, then through the government, and and the lobbying was going on right. the whole time, trying to get her out of business because she was messing with an industry that's very big and very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I think that has happened to all the great entrepreneurs. I mean, Uber, the taxis came after Uber, but it was too late. The consumers spoke; had spoken. We like mm-hmm. Uber better than the taxi service. You know, too bad taxis, we're not gonna do anything for you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Elon with the cars, the, the cars were, um, he, he, uh, the, the other car companies came after him with the press. Mm-hmm. The press said, oh, these batteries die in the cold weather or whatever. And right. Elon goes and he proves that, no, these cars actually are fine in the cold weather. This guy for the New York Times just drove around in the parking lot for three hours to run out of battery so he couldn't make it to his destination Um, uh, and and he went out and and uh the great entrepreneurs figure out how to um when they get when they get poked by the press they figure out how to parry back Mm -hmm. and say yes but hey it's the safest way it's the cheapest way to test your blood whatever i Mm -hmm. i think that there was a probably a better way for her to have handled that whole thing. Right. Uh, but uh, you knew that when you were getting that big and that successful, that, uh, that the people, the incumbents mm-hmm. would be coming back after you. Definitely. That makes
2: sense. We actually have a company that was part of our startup the year. It's called a Periomics. They're the only company in the world's that been able to uh, identify every known bacteria, virus, bacteria, uh, fungus from a urine sample. And they actually won startup of the year a couple years ago and they're selling those tests online and doing well, but they did get hit with similar, mainly fallback from, from Theranos when they were out raising, they're actually out raising again and um, continue to try to push ahead with their mission, but totally hear you. And so um, I'm curious if that's an area that you jump into again, as they continue to like out, be out there. Yeah.
0: We've um, I've seen 15 companies doing exactly what Theranos was doing or more or less. Right. Um, And I imagine that the guys from Fortress now who own all the, those patents will be coming after right. them. Some, some will be new, okay. We're working with them to get better deals. Um, so, yes, I think, oh, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, technology wins all the wars eventually. Uh, and and this uh, this war where Elizabeth was trying to change healthcare as we know it, uh, and going up against the... the big system that is actually turns out the last four years are the first time that we've lived shorter lives because of healthcare. Um, And, uh, and so she she was clearly going after something that really needed changing, uh, that didn't want to change. But I think it's coming. And I think we're going to see some great um, companies come that do uh, make it so that you can, you can test blood, create a, uh, a feedback loop within the body. You do there are a lot of interesting things coming along the pike that um, that are more uh, more data driven than uh, than wet lab driven, and it's fun. quite exciting. We've we've got a company called CloudMedics that allows people to um, to do a bit. It, through AI, they can do, just with um, medical histories, they can do a better job of diagnosing someone than the average doctor can. Mm-hmm. And when combined with a doctor, they do even better. That makes sense. And, sure. and then uh, uh, one of our companies, Verge Genomics, has made it so uh, through the dry lab on the computer they can put the disease up on the screen and run off patent drugs against it, and they found something that is 25 times as effective as remdesivir for combating COVID, and it's going through FDA approval now, and uh, and a lot of drug companies are all sort of um, working together, working to get the distribution rights for that uh, for that drug. So. Um, interesting things happening in healthcare. A lot of it will be data driven. Data driven. So, and it'll be data like you know what I ate for breakfast and how many miles I've walked and what what the um, what airplane seat I sat on, what conferences I attended, who I shook hands with. All those things are going to be completely connected, uh, and that's going to be an exciting new new level of healthcare and and it will be much cheaper and that's where the big institutions are not going to be liking it because Mm -hmm. those drug companies as you know they advertise like crazy on tv and that's because they have so much money that they're making off of these drugs that maybe aren't the best thing
2: for you no that makes sense and we're we're just about out of time and so i wanted to ask you one more question and then kind of wrap it up here what was if you could give one piece of advice to the startups that are out there pitching? Um, you know, we talked a lot, a lot about the pledge and everything you're looking for, but what's that one thing that you think that you look for, for from a startup that you want to invest in that you would share with those companies?
0: Well, I think um, entrepreneurs come in all shapes and sizes, and uh, and they uh, they come to us and, and have lots of different stories. Uh, I think it's, it's mostly heart. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. mostly what's in your heart that I'm, and I'm looking for, do you have real passion for what you're doing? Um, or are you just doing it to make money? And then is the industry big enough? Is, is this worth sacrificing your life for? Because it is a big sacrifice to be an entrepreneur. Right. Uh, those are some of the things I'm looking for. And then, are you taking a new technology and applying it to an existing system that uh, needs the new technology? So all those things combined, uh, I think, are what we're looking for. And then, um, and then, you can't be completely right in the mainstream if, because I always say that if um, when we had ten partners at DFJ. We, our decision-making system was never as good as when it was just one of us or three of us. Um, because you, you need the, the extra piece. It, it needs to be something that is not obvious to the world. If it were obvious to the world, you'll have a thousand other competitors. Mm-hmm. But if it's, if it's sort of unique to you, then um, that's, that's quite ex- exciting. So make sure that if you're starting something, that you are uniquely qualified to do it and you are going to be the best in the world at it.
2: Thank you, Tim, for that advice. And you you connect with companies everywhere. So what's the best way for them to find and connect with you?
0: Oh, I'm Tim at draper.vc, but only send me business plans. Only. When you've written up a great business or, or Dex, yeah. written up a great deck or written up a great business plan, then definitely use my email address, tim at draper.vc. Right. But if you send me anything else, I just, uh, you
2: end up going to spam. You probably get a uh, lot, of, lot of emails. Thank you. Tim, yeah, so I, need
0: really- to, I need to clear th- through them quickly. And, uh, <laughs> it. and it's a big part of my job. Um, I, actually, most of, I'd say maybe half of my deal flow just comes from people who know my email address so i
2: appreciate that keep it there coming. you go if you've got a if you've got a business plan or you've got a got something working uh send it to tim all right thank you so much tim draper it's always amazing to talk with someone that's such a visionary and can see and believe in startup founders that are trying to change the world like him not to mention him it is also his family um, is also involved. Jesse's got a, a fund and as well, and his son does as well. So exciting stuff going on from the whole Draper family. Uh, love the, the enthusiasm and the gusto of what he's about, and uh, appreciated him joining us today uh, to share some of that. So hopefully you found it enjoyable and learned something new. Um, I did, of course, and I love talking to Tim. Well, that's this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it and uh, you're able to take something interesting away from the conversation. Thank you again for listening please uh, drop us a review. And if you're not subscribed already, please do uh, subscribe as well. We love, uh, you know, continue to build our audience, but also love to hear from you from the review side. So if you have any feedback, please let us know. And remember, if you have a startup idea and you want to get something going, today is the best day to start. doesn't mean you have to knock the whole thing out of the park today, but you got to start somewhere, get something going, get that that, uh, minimal viable product product out there, and and start testing with customers and and building momentum. There's a lot of steps, but you can't start doing it without starting. So uh, today's the best day. And until next time, I'm Frank Gruber, signing off. Stay safe and be well out there.
0: Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.